Hey, before we get started, I want to talk to you a little bit about our theme for this quarter, growing and protecting your portfolio. We're excited about various topics centered around this, but it really comes down to three concepts that will help you grow and protect your portfolio. You can find a PDF on our website about this. Go to wiserinvestor.com, scroll down to the bottom, enter your email address, and you'll get the PDF titled Three Ways to Grow and Protect Your Portfolio. Thanks for listening. Welcome to a Wiser Retirement Podcast, where we cover financial topics such as retirement planning, tax planning, portfolio management, insurance, and estate planning, so you too can have a wiser retirement. I'm your host, Casey Smith, guiding you to financial freedom. Today is my co-host, uh, Brad Lyons. Hi, hey, Casey. Brad. How are you? Doing good. Good. So this podcast today is just kind of a wrap-up. Um, we've had a great quarter talking about uh, or focusing on three ways to grow and protect your portfolio, and... You know, it seems simple, but human nature kind of counteracts that. And I think we have some perfect examples of just what's happened um, in the first quarter of 2022. Yeah, we tend to be our own worst enemies sometimes when it comes to investing for the long term. I think when you talk to people in a reasonable manner, they all say and agree that we should invest for the long term. Money should be put away for a long time. And yet when short-term events occur, our emotions have a tendency to take over and contradict what we just think in a reasonable manner. And we want to trade into that volatility sometimes in order to protect ourselves. But in, in reality, what we're doing is we're not protecting ourselves. We are damaging our portfolios, trading into short-term volatility. You know, we, we follow a lot of different um, companies and their economic departments, analysts and such. Chances of war in 2022 was like less than 10%. Yeah, when you look back at you know predictions for 2022 by you know these larger companies that 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 try and foresee what's going to happen in the markets and make their long-term capital market assumptions given what they know it currently at that time, and there weren't any that were saying that war on the world geographic front was going to occur. Yeah, I mean, and then there's more risk out there because the same people are also saying it won't escalate past Ukraine, and they don't know that. No, we really don't know what's what's going to happen in the end. Um, but we do know that um, by maintaining a long-term focus, we keep going back to this, but maintaining a long-term focus, that these things are built into capital market assumptions. We know that events are going to occur geopolitically. We can't predict them. We can't name them ahead of time, but we know that they occur over periods of time and the portfolios that we build are designed to absorb these shocks from time to time that occur. Yeah, that goes back to the planning. When you look at uh, when, when you're doing your, your retirement planning or financial planning, you have to build in uh, to the scenario um, drops in the market. And, and the catalyst for those drops, like 20% drops, you know, followed by another 10%, followed by no recovery and just a 5% rate of return going forward. That's a model that you have to you have to be running uh, on your portfolios and, and your cash flow to see can I still stay retired in that environment and and all of our clients here we, we do that um, I focus on it more uh, than than they probably realize uh, to you know the downside of of of, uh, of investing and can we keep going but you know it, it's um, uh, it's hard to do that when when there's um, so much chaos that you, you want to run for the hills and 
I mean, geez, if you'd gone to cash, you would have lost seven or I guess what eight and a half percent now over the last twelve months. Um, that was not, that's not good either. Right. So it, it the the bottom line is uh, when in times like this, you bet on American large cap, and we've always been overweighted American large cap anyway. Uh, but that that's how you get through inflation. That's how you get through times of crisis. Is uh, the Fortune 500 companies here in the U.S. Well, are, in a broad are, sense, are a good place to stay. Good, good place to be. They have the financial resources to weather short-term um, shocks in the markets. You know, in, in their markets, in their um, uh, um, business, and in their industry, they have the, the the financial wherewithal to to weather this. And they also have the purchasing and pricing power on both ends of the spectrum in order to accommodate the different circumstances that exist when they're buying their goods and services in order to produce them or when they're selling it into the marketplace as well. So yeah, large cap tend to do well uh, in, in times of volatile and times of uh, 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 geopolitical and economic shock. So, you know, being overweight that, you know, we feel confident that the S and P 500, for example, will be fine in the end. And, and when you look at these charts in review, in, in arrears and we look at study charts you see that these things are simply blips on the on the chart and and you can barely point them out years come but when we're in the midst of it and when clients are in the midst of it and asset owners are trying to figure out how to navigate you know these um these circumstances uh the the, the news that comes at them is so difficult to filter out the difference between what is truly an economic circumstance that is changing that may change the fundamentals, and what is simply news and noise that the, is, fills time on those our newscasts? No, absolutely. You know, it, and I want to get to what we're going to do next quarter. I'm excited about next quarter, but before I before we kind of roll into that, um, let's talk a little bit about you know we, we we talked about keeping costs low, maintaining a diversified portfolio, and focus long term. It's been a kind of a mantra here since the beginning of um, my company in 2001. And then uh, we merged in Wiser in 2007. We, we adopted that for all those clients as well. You know, you, you think about um, diversification is being so important. But then you look at the world right now. And, and me, when I see it, when I look at the portfolio, I go, man, why do we have emerging markets and portfolios? We're, we're literally watching a country being eliminated from the economically from the world, being Russia. Right. And it's a very small percentage of, of the portfolio anyway, under 1%. Oh, well under 1%. It's a very small percent of the index. Yes. It's, it's like less right. than 3% of an entire emerging markets index. So, Which is crazy to me that, I mean, these guys are just bullies. They have no economic power in the world whatsoever, yet they have the most nukes. Yeah. I'm like, who's in charge of the shop here? I mean, it seems to me we should have been negotiating some of this since, uh, since 1991. But, um, but what has happened in the index is that Russia has been removed. They've uh, effectively right. uh, written down any investment in Russia that they were unable to sell as an index uh, and, and to report on. They've written it down to zero. So... They've been effectively removed from all the indexes. Yeah, but then you have specific uh, ETFs that track only Russia. Yes. They, yeah. And that's not a good investment right now. No. <laughs> it was 
<laughs> it was debatable whether it was ever a good investment. Well, that's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah, and well, then you have all the, um, you think about all the industries that were, that were trying to develop in that country that no longer have access to their assets and probably never will, right? at least for, for a very long time. Right. But anyway, and, and why diversify into a, a, a marketplace that's emerging? Right. Just by definition, why do that? And that's because when they grow, they tend to grow at very fast rates. Okay, and they are developing. They will develop into developed markets over time, um, and they do have products and services that are used and exported throughout the world. Uh, Ukraine, for example, is one of the largest exporters of wheat. Okay, so was it, it was <laughs> you know so so we you know as an investor you have an opportunity on a world stage to profit from that. And that's what you do when you diversify into these different markets is you're, you're looking to profit from what they have to offer. Now, traditionally, emerging markets are, are, are have natural resources as one of their greatest uh, right. uh, you know, economic engines. Okay? Brazil. Well, you know, years yeah. ago, America was you know, an agricultural society, and we exported you know, a lot of agricultural products. And, and we developed from there. Right. Okay? And, and many of these other countries will, too. A lot of these countries are are developing in um, technology, okay? As programmers and software um, consultants move past the baton from around the clock, around the globe, in order to take advantage of the 24 hours that exist, you know, in the world and different time zones. And so they're simply passing the baton and the workflow and the tasks from one country to another. And emerging markets are taking advantage of that and, and living in that environment. So, you know, to shift gears a little bit, you know, it, it, I feel like there maybe should have been a fourth way to grow and protect your portfolio. And that's turn off a lot of uh, financial social media <laughs> from so-called experts. Yeah. Um, it's amazing what I've been sent from, from different people. Uh, there's some guy out there right now claiming that, um, because Visa has pulled out of Russia, along with a lot of other, mm-hmm. you know, uh, financial systems, the whole basis was that well, they'll no longer be transacting in dollars, and that they're going to, um, uh, it's going to crash the whole dollar. And and it had, it, first of all, if you're in Russia and you're using a Visa credit card, it's not clearing in the U.S. It's clearing over there in their local currency, so. Yeah, it's going to hurt transaction fees and be less revenue for a company. But the fact that it would crash the U.S. dollar has no basis whatsoever. It just doesn't even understand. But but you could buy his newsletter. <laughs> I did a little more digging <laughs> yeah. on, on it. I was like, oh, yeah. you could buy the newsletter and yeah. fear sells, right? So there's a lot of false information um, going around out there that, that Russia is going to start using a, um, a Chinese a credit card type system and that's fine let them go do that but that doesn't have anything to do with the stability the of the u.s yeah. dollar right sensationalism sells and it's always sold and it will always sell they're taking advantage of that given a new platform that is unfiltered in right. social media right right so well somewhat filtered <laughs> depending on how you look at it yeah like mine is just completely off <laughs> yours is completely off uh mine's definitely not filtered but um if i posted anything about covid or um president 
Trump, <laughs> it would quickly be filtered. <laughs> or to have that little thing that pops up on... Uh, You'll know you have arrived. <laughs> yeah, well, you can arrive pretty quick. You just have to type the right things yeah. uh, or the wrong things, uh, depending how you look at it. Um, it you know, it, it's it's uh, th- these, these are tough times. Um, I think we, we've been so used all first world problems, but we've been so used to a 10 year track history of almost straight up. We're well, still up over run. 200% for yes. 10 years. Yeah. So people are starting to see, Oh my gosh, we, the portfolio keeps falling where before we get these quick drops and quick rebounds. Right. In many ways, when you look back now that we have some perspective on the COVID event and the market event that occurred, you know, at the beginning of that, it was so dramatic. It was so steep. Mm-hmm. The comeback was so dramatic and so steep that it almost was such a blip that we, we we forget that it even occurred. Because at the time, Casey, we were distracted. Right. Society was distracted by this thing over here called COVID. We're all trying to not die. And, and you could die from it. You know. <laughs> right. So yes, we knew our portfolios were going down. <laughs> we knew that this was occurring, but we were distracted in some way. Now that we have no distraction whatsoever, I mean, it's full frontal you know, news story every day. Right. You've got inflation. You've got Russia invading Ukraine. You've got interest rates about to rise. And what's the effect that that's going to be after eight years of not rising? You right. know, something like that. You know, so as you can see, you know, there's some things out there that are distracting. There are full frontal you know, news that are distracting us from the focus of maintaining long-term approach in a portfolio designed to meet the goals and objectives of any asset owner and investor in, through a financial planning process. You have to remember, too, that even when price falls, dividends stay the same. Mm-hmm. In some cases, dividends actually go up if they the start yield doing goes buybacks. Up. So new money. <laughs> for new <laughs> money, yeah. yeah. So you're still, getting, you're still getting income. And over the long time period, typically income is a very large percentage of your total return. There's some, there's some ETFs that that's their whole premise right. of existence is is. And, and they've dividends. You know, done the research and shown that somewhere around 40% of a, the S&P's total return comes from dividends and dividend reinvestment. So, yeah. Yeah, 40%. Which is why you stay invested. If you go to cash, you're not getting into any of that income. That's right. That's right. You're not getting that lower dividend reinvestment rate when there are dips in the market. You know, there's a company, um, we have an on, online robo-advisor called uh, FlightPath, but it's built off the Betterment platform. And Betterment does a really good job, almost annoyingly jo- a good job. They send out uh, almost like weekly emails saying, you've got X amount of dollars in income this week. And that that's the, I feel like that's something that advisory firms should start embracing a little bit to get people to focus on income being produced and less on price return. Because, you know, seven out of 10 years, you're probably going to be making money price on the price side. But if you focus more on on the income, those three years that, that the market's down, it might allow people to stay invested longer when they realize that they're getting a check every month. They didn't, you know, they didn't even focus on that before. Right. So they're they're probably onto something. Um, behavioral finance is a funny thing, but that that would be um, that'd be harder for for some firms to do. I don't know if they even calculate it uh, honestly, what the yield is or what the income is on a portfolio. Mm-hmm. So, all right, well, keep costs low, maintain diversification, and then focus long-term. Basically, f- 
find your optimal portfolio, and for the most part, leave it there. Although we've made some changes recently. Well, we do, but that's that's part of portfolio, professional portfolio management is adapting and adopting to new news and new market fundamentals. And we don't make changes based upon the news, right? But rather, when the fundamentals of the market have changed and require to an adaptation to that change. Because by, by definition, the stock market is always changing. The bond market is always changing. The environment is always changing. Okay? And until it changes in such a way that the fundamentals are completely changed in the way that requires a manager to make adoption to that change and adapt to that change, it should stay the same. Okay? And that's what we did. And so when finally when you know, inflation was recognized as not being transitory anymore, you know, we bought Treasury Inflation Protection Securities and put those in the portfolio. So when a fundamental change occurred, such as the removal of the word transitory, we made a change and adapted our portfolios to that. Yeah, and we might have a few more tricks up our sleeve. We're doing some research on uh, float. Right, floating rate mm-hmm. securities that rise. The, the, the coupon rate rises as interest rates rise, thereby protecting the principal value of the underlying note. So, I, I think it's important to, to note here that we're more focused on protecting the bonds right now and, and not as worried about stock because typically if you want to beat all this that's happening in the world right now, you're going to beat it with U.S. large cap. And, yes, and so, yep. and so that's, that's, we're not tinkering with our stock portfolio, which is the most volatile we're focused on what I think, and you do too, is most at risk, which is your fixed income. Right. In because the of these three things that we mentioned, yep. inflation, rising interest rates, and the invasion of Ukraine, muddling the ability to sift through that and focus on inflation and the interest rate you know, environment. So, okay. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm sure we'll have more podcasts about that here um, in the future. So, you know, Brad, I have been to... Two rocket launches uh, in my lifetime, and I've done them all in like the last six months. <laughs> and I've always been, um, I've always been interested in space and space travel, and and my favorite movie is Apollo thirteen. I feel like most of my life has been, you know, that scene where they have everything on the table and they go, "Gentlemen, this re- is this I, is." I recall that movie. I know exactly <laughs> what you're describing, Casey. This is all we have right. to get home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just this amalgamation right. of weird things. Yes. There's a tube. There's a box. Right. You know, there's a pencil. <laughs> and leave it to the government. to And, of course, duct tape. <laughs> duct tape, yes. And leave it to the government to develop two different modules that have two different filtration systems and that don't match, right? And so that's where the duct tape, duct tape comes in. Things to match things together somehow. To get these guys home. Uh, and, you know, if you haven't been down to the Kennedy Space Center, they're not paying us for an advertisement, by the way. They're welcome to, but they, they're not paying us for an advertisement. Um, what, what a great experience. I've gone down with, with my uh, youngest son uh, and my dad twice and, it's, and, and, and some friends, and it's been, it's been a, a great experience, uh, especially the second time because the Astronaut Hall of Fame, I, I decided to tour that last, and actually when I went in there, I was like, this is really neat. This is really neat. I had, had these glass plates up on the wall with – uh, all the astronauts that were in the Hall of Fame and how many missions they had gone on. And it was very begin you know, it was very telling. <laughs> Modern astronauts, there's a guy there had like ten. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, and then he's like, the first astronaut's like one, <laughs> two, because <laughs> of all the effort just to do that one or right. two, right? Um, but it, it, it's, uh, uh, we, we've written, I say all this because, um, you know, you're sitting, you're sitting there the first time we were 10 miles away, the second time we we're about four miles away. And, and, and they're, you know, this countdown, they're going to relaunch these guys into uh, space. Both times we went to NASA, SpaceX. Uh, NASA launches joint venture to get the astronauts to the International Space Station. And you sit there and you think, what are those guys thinking when they're sitting there on that rocket? And you just, you're waiting, like the anticipation. You know, they've been training thousands of hours for this, right? But you know, there's still some anxiety, <laughs> especially for the first timers. Now, they have cameras on the inside now. You actually see them, and they just kind of seem to, eh, just kind of hanging out like it's no big deal. But you know, in the brain, they got to be. They have to be. Yeah. <laughs> you would think. Yeah. And so I say all this to say, one, go see a space launch. Uh, that's pretty cool. And then go check out the museum. But two, I feel like that's how people are as they approach retirement. You know, they've been saving, saving, saving. And they're like, is this going to work? Can we, can we, can we do this? Right. Can we, okay. can we, you know? Yeah. And, and similar to the launch, what's that first step going to be like into retirement? That's right. Is it a step? Off, off a cliff? Yeah. <laughs> or is it just one more step out the door that morning, you know, like any other day to pick up the newspaper on the front stoop? You know? <laughs> right. What's it going to be like? You only get to do it once. It's like the guys who'd, who've trained for the thousand of hours and the women who have trained for thousand of hours to be astronauts. And then that first trip, right? Yeah, that they go into space. Well, the thing about the astronauts and the whole program, the whole mission is they do the launch, but then you're in orbit. You got to survive, right? And so many people, when they do retirement planning themselves, they just try to figure out, can I retire? And a lot of times the answer is yes. Yeah, I have enough money here to rep replicate my income. Can you stay retired 20 years from now? Or are you going to end up being one of those people living off nothing but Social Security, right? Mm -hmm. That's the hard part is that you have to you have to maintain the retirement orbit. And so we've developed a checklist and we got really creative with this. Um, great. We have a great team here. Hadley put together great job. did a great job putting this uh, piece together. So it'll be available for download soon. And it's, it's a checklist. It's kind of like your pre-launch checklist, just yep. like astronauts run through a checklist. This sure. is your pre-retirement checklist. And we started off at five and we count backwards, right? Because that's how they launch a rocket, right? as opposed to here's five things you need. So I thought we would do it T minus five, right? Four, right. three, two, one. Anyway, nice. I'm a big dork nice. and I'm dork alert uh, uh, all the way here. But um, but it's a great analogy. It really it is. is. You know? It is. So so you can't, you, you, when you get ready for retirement, there's a lot of things that, that you're going to have to focus on initially, which is the hard part. You know, well, the hardest part is just getting the rocket fuel in. That's, that's, do I have enough money to be able to accomplish this? And what's interesting is everyone's different. Some people have pensions. Some people have bigger social security. Some people built and grew businesses don't have much in social security, but they sold a business for a lot of money. And so they have to think differently about, about how they stay in orbit. Right. Right. So, you know, ultimately um, uh, I think these are five things that, that everyone needs to, to, to have answers to before they go about their retirement journey. And uh, we're excited to start a whole new quarter centered, centered around these 
uh, and soon when we launch our next podcast. Oh, I, I saw, I heard that where we launch it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well done. Yeah. It's going to be a crazy quarter. Rocket, rockets, <laughs> rocket, uh, analogy, uh, the entire, the entire month or entire, entire three months. Um, but yeah, when we, when we launch our next podcast, we're going to then make the, um, download available for all of our listeners. Well, I look forward to it. It's going to be a good quarter. It is. Mm-hmm. It is. Mm-hmm. All right, Brad. Um, I guess we better go start planning this podcast and, uh, we don't want to disappoint all of our listeners. Um, but we'll see you on the other side. Sounds great. Thanks for listening to a Wiser Retirement Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Make sure to subscribe wherever you're listening. That way you don't miss any new episodes. We would also appreciate if you could leave a rating and review. If you have any questions about anything that was discussed today, head to wiserinvestor.com and reach out. We would love to hear from you. This episode was produced and edited by Lilton Moore. Wiser Wealth Management Incorporated is a registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and unless otherwise stated are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.